Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Hello there, this is the Reverend Francis Seaton, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. <laughs> Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, he's a man still searching for the holes in his crumpets, will only have chips that are thrice cooked, and will kick you in the balls if you don't eat pizza the right way. It's Neil! Hello, you know my food habits. I know your food habits very well. I know. I bet you forgot I also like to eat cornflakes straight out of the pack. Straight out of the pack. And I've mm. seen that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, our guest this episode has so many strings to his bow that his bow is more strings than bow. Author, musician, podcaster, please welcome the one and only and the nicest soul on Twitter. It's Gail. Gail. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. It's Charles <laughs> Bailey Phillips. <laughs> I can be Gail tonight if you like. <laughs> Hello, Gail. <laughs> oh, dear me. And I was being so <laughs> nice. Would I be, though? Would I be Gail Tilsley or... Oh, my God. Can, yeah. we, can I think of any more famous Gales? There haven't been a lot of famous Gales. No. There's a lot of storms. I don't know about yeah. Gales. Yeah. <laughs> do they name Gales? I think they probably do, don't Katrina. they? Katrina. I always remember storm. That was but that's a storm, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're, we're getting oh, way into yeah, meteorological yeah. stuff. The hur- hurricanes get names, storms get names, but Gales... Just they don't stay, get no. Just Maybe because it's already got a name. Maybe it's because it's Gale. That's why they... Yeah. 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 So apart well, from me ballsing up your intro, <laughs> Giles, I'm terribly sorry about that. Uh, no, no, please don't apologise. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's a, it's an absolute pleasure. It really now, is a pleasure. We'll, we'll obviously talk about all of the different uh, strings of the of the bow of your career. God, that was a very Alan Partridge way of saying uh, no, it, wasn't it? Uh, first of all, we we'll talk about um, this country. How did you discover this country? Well, do you know what? I was. I'm probably like a lot of people. I found it a lot later than I should have done. Probably. Um, yeah, it kind of passed me by. I think when it was first on, and then. I guess, did it stay on iPlayer for a long time? Because, you know, a lot of stuff just chops off, doesn't it, sometimes? Mm. I don't know if iPlayer's a bit better now at keeping stuff on. But, yeah, and then I, I think I saw it was on there. And I, I hadn't, do you know what? I hadn't, didn't know anyone else that had been really watching it. 
Uh, and I just thought, oh, I'll give it a go. You know, sometimes you just, I've had kind of used up everything else that I'd watched. You know, I'd watched everything, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted something new to watch. And so, yeah, I saw it there and I thought that, you know, it looks good. I love mockumentaries. I've always been into mockumentaries. Um, going back, you know, Spinal Tap, all the Christopher Guest stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, Best in Show, Mighty Wind, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously... In more recent years, we've had like The Office and all that kind of thing. Um, so I've always loved mockumentaries. Um, so yeah, that was kind of it really. So I found it and then just instantly fell in love with it. You know, within a few minutes, I knew it was something that I, I was going to enjoy. Had you had you found it uh, before the second series had come out, or had you found it no. after the second series? So, so it was quite a treat in a way because I got to like you know binge the whole lot. Mm. Um, but so no, I, I I didn't unfortunately. But um, but actually it was quite nice binging the whole lot, and and that happened again. I've I've had that with a few you know a few series I've been a bit late to, and it, it's quite nice just to consume them all in one go. So, so um, no, go on, go on. I was going to say as a mockumentary then, Giles, how does it hold up? Because obviously, like Spinal Tap is probably the pinnacle up there. How does it hold up for you with all the others you like? Oh, I think it's well up there. You know, and it's got all the. Th- all the ingredients that you want in, in, in a mockumentary, you know, it's got the pathos and poignancy that you, you kind of need because it's, you know, because you're looking at supposedly a real thing. Um, but also incredibly funny, um, you know, and yeah, it stands up completely with all those kind of things. I think, you know, definitely. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a really special show. Do you think it's also, um, a show of its time as well? Like you're saying about, being able to binge watch it is it one of those shows that you think it it, it works as a binge because there are some shows that i've watched where when you binge watch it especially like dramas it's a lot to 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 take in if you watch it over and over again whereas the office the office well the office and this country are quite easy watches as a binge yeah and i think you know when something's like 25 minutes half an hour kind of thing it, it's easier to do that with yeah some dramas you get into i mean i'm put off watching some stuff you know, people will say, oh, you should watch Mad Men and all that stuff. I think, oh, that's just so much effort. Mm. It's like 16 hours of television, <laughs> or how many, you know, more than that, actually, probably like, you know, like 50 hours of television. Um, and so, yeah, and I, can't, I can't, I haven't got <laughs> the time or the inclination to do that. But yeah, so I think it, it, those kind of comedies do work really well um, for binge, for binge watching. And um, yeah, and you know what, I, I've watched it several times, both, you know, both series through several times. And I do often watch them all in one go, you know, like I'll watch, um, I will binge watch the whole lot, you know. Mm. So after binge watching it the first time then, did any episodes stick out as a highlight or a favourite for you? Um, There's so many great moments in all, both series, actually. I would have to say, I think one of my favourite episodes is... um, um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, my well, threatening letters is always, you know, from series two is is a fantastic episode. Um, just because I love Mandy's character, she's mm. like one of my people in it. It's just so so brilliant. Um, and um, actually, I, I I like the episode with her in the first series as well when she's doing the tattooing. That's in the first series, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tattooing one's great, but you know, um, peeping Tom as well is a great episode when you see. Uh, because Martin Mucklow is obviously a utter bastard, but at the same time, there's a, he's got a real charisma about him. You know the way he sort of 
he um, his anecdotes are often quite uh, compelling listens. Mm. Um, and, and I like that episode as well. I just think it's very touching at moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many, there's just so many bits that are, uh, that really stand out. I mean, even episode one, when I first started watching it, you know, there's just some proper laugh out loud moments in that. Mm. So when it came to the uh, the special that uh, that was on uh, not long ago, um, did it answer all the questions that you needed it to answer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, and it did. And uh, and again, it had, had that level of pathos and poignancy in it. The the, the scene where Kerry goes off to meet the the, the bike at the guy's um, her dad's ex biker mate, yeah. who is sort of ramshackled like redneck kind of. Um, and you know she's so excited about it and everything, but then you see that you know that all ebb away as as he reveals that you know what we all knew that mm. her was a latter, but you know what's it, and um you know and and her having to deal with that kind of no- knowledge being given to her in that moment it's just you know it's heart- pretty heartbreaking actually um but then at the same time there's just some you know, real laugh out loud moments in that bit, you know, the bit with uh, Curtin at the beginning when he's describing the courtroom pictures and stuff. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just brilliant. You know, it's just a visual comedy. It's, it's like funny lines and stuff. It's it, it's very visual as well. Mm. So I thought, yeah, it did answer a lot of the questions that were, were outstanding from series two. And I'm just so excited that they're, they're going to do more. I know that is a good thing, isn't it? It is. It the is. one thing I, I was watching it again uh, a couple of days ago, and the fact that it answered all the questions we needed, but then it's got a really understated finish. It just yes. sort of like ebbs to finish, and with the line where she, Carrie's uh, just saying, "I've just got something in my eye," and then it just finishes. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. right. Well, obviously things are just going to carry on as they normally are. It's going to be like yeah. last of the summer wine. They're going to be there for like yeah. fifty years, and they're going to be just wandering around the village. Nothing is ever going to change. I don't think. Oh, that's, no, a, that's not... a question. Do you what do you think? You know, what do you think going on is going to happen? Do you think that they will, things will ever really change? Probably. We wouldn't want them to change, would you? I think they that's would... that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> that's the thing. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Um, there's a brilliant bit in one of I can't remember which episode it is now, where Kerry turns to the sort of camera crew and just says, "Are you lot not getting bored with this?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant line. That like and brings in that kind you know because sometimes you forget that it's a, you know that it's a mockumentary. You sometimes forget that you know that you're w- watching this as like a, as a as a you know as a fake documentary as a as a mockumentary. And that's a nice little moment that brings back in that element of the mockumentary that you know this is being filmed, being watched, and uh, and you know what I don't yeah I, I you want them to just carry on doing what they're doing. I think. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, the, want them to change particularly. Mm. Is there any situations you'd like to see them get into there? Um, I don't know really. I mean, I guess we don't see them leaving, <laughs> leaving mm. the beach very often. So it might be quite nice to see them being ducks out of water, perhaps, um, and seeing how they. There's a there's a bit I think um, Curtin's talking to the vicar's son, when he says, what's Bristol like? Because mm. he's like, you know, I've never left. <laughs> I've never been out of the village kind of thing. So it'd be quite nice maybe if they, I'm not saying they should do some 70s kind of comedy spin-off where they go to Spain for the week. <laughs> yeah. We've actually spoken about yeah, that. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I'm not suggesting an on-the-buses type yeah. scenario. Uh, 
but you know, it would be nice to see them as being, you know, really ducks out of water in, 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 you know, in the big city or something, just, just for a, an episode. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sure whatever those guys come up with will be, will be genius. So that's, yeah. Indeed. Um, well, we will go back to this country. I want to, um, first of all, Twitter. One thing I've noticed about, I've, I've, starting this podcast i've been on twitter a lot more than i used to be and you realize quite how how it can be quite nasty twitter and the one thing mm-hmm. I, one thing i was drawn by whenever when we started communicating was just how positive you are on twitter is there a particular reason for that is it you know do you, there must be days when you wake up and you think i just really don't want to put anything nice on twitter today but there's always seems to be a nice positive vibe coming from your twitter account which I find refreshing. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah. Well, there, I think possibly there is, because there is such vitriol on, on, and particularly on Twitter more than that. I mean, I suppose like there are obviously other social media platforms don't get the same kind of vitriol. So, no. I mean, Facebook's obviously more of a personal thing. You know, it's just, it's like a kind of Friends Reunited really, isn't it now? Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, Instagram, you put nice pictures of your um, dinner Whereas I guess Twitter's still a platform for people to express themselves. Uh, and with, I guess, particularly in the last couple of years, post-Brexit, post-Trump, it's all got really, I mean, it's all, there's always been bad, you know, it's always been bad with regards to like people trolling other people and just being mean for no reason. But I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a nasty climate at the moment for, but just, yeah, just being horrible to each other, really. And I, I, I just, it wasn't a conscious thing. I just, I've always, I'm, I am, a, you know, I try and be a nice person. Um, I think I am a nice person. But I wanted to put, you know, try and put that across a bit. I mean, you know, what an amazing thing all these social media platforms are for connecting people. And I just think, actually, can we not just try and connect with each other in a more positive way and not it, not be haranguing each other and... um. I mean, I'm not always so positive. <laughs> the odd, odd, nasty thing on there, but I, you know, I try as much as I can to be to be positive and and try and take advantage of those connections that I, you know, make. I, I want to, you know, one of the reasons why I started the podcast. I want to, I want to talk to people. I want to hear what other people have to say. I want to, I want to communicate. I want to tell people they're loved. I want to, you know. I don't know. It's a whole mixture of different things, but uh, I just think, yeah, I just think we need a bit more positivity in the world right now. So if I can do it in my own little way by just putting some nice things up and, and and also supporting projects that I'm interested in, you know, like, you know, I'll try and retweet podcasts that I like. I'll try and retweet if someone's got a book out, I'll try, you know, or whatever it might be, you know, Mm. or a movie or whatever, just try and put out, stuff that's nice you know that that people you know people are working hard on these things and actually need a bit of recognition for it so yeah so it's a long answer no to that's your right. question. well <laughs> i was going to say there, there are two moments on this podcast where for, for social media things or whatever was when we got to number five in the tv and film chart on itunes and then when we were on that the first time you on the friday you put our name on that you've got to follow these podcasts mm. 
And then the following Fridays, when it's my unnamed, I look there on the Friday, and think, oh, we're on that list again, your list on that, that, that tweet. And that just, that is a great way to start. I think I put on the, the Twitter last week, what a great way to start a Friday is to see that tweet with it. And it's fantastic. And we just want to say thank you for that more than anything else. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. I mean, I, I love the show. And, you know, and obviously it's great that what you guys are doing. And, and yeah, I mean, the follow, the, the, the sort of happy Friday thing is just, sort of got a bit out of hand really but <laughs> just adding more and more people to it but it was just a way of yeah it was just a way of saying yeah look, it's friday that you know most you've had probably all had a hard week it's friday it's the end of the week it, you know hopefully you'll have a nice weekend and mm. let's just you know put a bit of light on the darkness a little bit so again was that the yeah. reason to start a podcast then because you in, you enjoy the the format of podcast so much i've always loved podcasts Do you know what the I've wanted to do a podcast for about, I've said this on a few occasions, I've wanted to do a podcast for about 10 years. I mean, going back to when, you know, when they first kind of became in, you know, became sort of prominent. I mean, I guess when Ricky Gervais did his one, that was a sort of big, big standout one. But yeah. even before that, there was sort of little people were doing them a little bit. And I, I always loved the format, um, particularly the long form podcast like you know like your one uh where you know you're talking uh crap for for an hour shooting mm. the shit might be but you know having a relaxed kind of tap chat so yeah it's something i always wanted it was a project i always wanted to do um but just didn't know and i, and I always wanted to do it about creativity and 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 or, or not just creativity but the, the moments when things aren't working very well I'm quite interested in that kind of stuff having been through those moments myself and yeah, it just happened that I got talking to my um, guy called Jim. That I know we're both Crystal Palace supporters, right? Okay, thirty <laughs> uh, word on this on this program on this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, and we got talking. He does a he does a Crystal Palace podcast, and uh, he's also a comedian. And we were talking about uh, you know our particular career paths and. He he does a lot, you know he's been doing stand up and stuff for years but he he kind of got the, you know the fear the fear back a bit for it and not wanting to do stand up as much and being worried about doing stand up and not you know worrying about the the material he's putting out and stuff like that so I said oh I'm having a similar issue with writing I'm kind of you know I'm kind of at a point where I'm I don't want to do it anymore um, and I, we were both like well it'd be good to talk to some other people about this kind of stuff and that's kind of what what spurred on the idea of the podcast um and well, then yeah it was a snowball from that really well i've, I've listened to, to the first one because what i want to do is like what you did with this country is i want to want you to have like four or five so i can binge and listen to a lot in one go because i hate having to be able to listen to one and not being able to listen to more if that makes sense but the yeah, one, no, totally. yeah the one thing no, I'm, I'm, I'm like that with podcasts too yeah I, you know the one thing i was fascinated I with though with 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 john ronson was in your mind, you think he's an accomplished, very successful, and he is a very successful author and broadcaster and whatever. But to hear him have those kind of doubts, it makes it sound more like he's a human. Yeah, oh no, totally. And do you know what? It's been that's what's been amazing about doing it is that yeah, we just we're, we're all you know we've all got normal human you know human nature is we're we're all we all do the same things. We all shit and eat and do all those stuff. But we, actually our emotional stuff is all very similar as well. We're all, it's all integrated. You know, we all, we all go on the same journeys in some way, 
space with regards to creativity particularly um and yeah i mean it's that's what's been so amazing about um i mean we've we've recorded quite a few now I mean, we've done about 15 shows that we've recorded and uh the theme it just keeps cropping up um that you know we're meeting all these amazing people who've got amazing careers um and do amazing things but they all have these little moments where they're that you say they're not working or they're, they're you know and i guess maybe it's i i, I like to think this this sounds very grandiose and and uh, but it, it feels like we're kind of exploring the human condition a little bit, mm. it, you know. Mm. But I think um, there's different levels, isn't there? I mean, like we'll have a thing where we're in here and we're trying to work out something, mm. but we're in, in no way a level of yourself or John Ronson. But it's that weird feeling that we're actually, but we're all in the same boat. That, that there's a block and we're we're blank, which I think that's it's a great title for the podcast. Well, thank you. Well, it's very kind of you. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and, and and another part of it was that we really wanted to leave those moments in as well. So you know, uh, we we edit very little, so it's it's kind of yeah. So we have often have blank moments when we're talking to people. <laughs> as, <laughs> you know, as you do in real life. You know, I'm sure there'll be some this evening with me, but. Um, and and we want to leave those bits in because that's just you know that's natural that's normal and um, so yeah so the whole concept of it was yeah was kind of in a nutshell is the blank is blank and um, yeah and we all do do suffer from those moments mm. and uh, they're very irritating when they happen but <laughs> aren't they just Charles do you yeah. have a, do you have a dream guest then that you want to get yet Do you know what we've got some dream guests actually coming up. Um, I don't want to say too much at the moment, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, we've been really lucky. The people I've um, I've been very fortunate that uh, it's normally me chasing around trying to get people to come on, but everyone's been super nice about coming on. So um, we've actually got. Um, I say this now because you'd be by the time this goes out, be, he'll be on. Gary Lineker's coming on in a couple of weeks. Oh right. So we've got Gary Lineker. Jim and I are both uh, big fans of Gary. Um, and actually, in the new year, we've got Louis Farou. So, oh, wonderful. Which is, which is I'm really excited about. Cause, uh, so Louis, Louis probably would be my would be my ultimate guest, mm. um, I would say, probably. So I'm really excited that he's, that he's going to come on. Be awesome. Be awesome. He's got stories to tell as well, I'm sure. Oh, man. Yeah, loads of stories. <laughs> yeah. 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 Christ, yeah. Yeah, but, I've been a big fan of Louis from, since I was, like, in my late teens, I think, so I've been watching his shows. So. Yeah. Have you heard yeah. um, Gary Lineker's podcast with Danny Baker? I have. It's that's yeah, fantastic. It's, it's really good. Yeah, I've listened to a few episodes. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, they're a really good pairing, actually. Um, I'm not so keen on Danny Baker because he's a Millwall supporter. So <laughs> being a South London and proud... Palace supporter, he's not so he's and he's not very kind was, about Crystal Palace. I was just it. about to say he's probably not too keen on you as a Crystal Palace supporter. No, to be honest, no, he's very he's been on. It's been a couple of bits where I've been like, oh come on, Danny, yeah. he's been <laughs> a bit nasty about Crystal Palace, but, but no, that's fair enough. It's fair game, but no, it's been it's really good actually. It's a really good podcast. I've yeah. really enjoyed. It is good, right? So, we want to tell us a little bit about your music as well. Now, I know it's oh, on, your, on your on your Twitter um, bio, Burnt House. Oh. Oh, there you go. We just oh, dropped yeah, that. Yeah. There was a bit of a blank then. <laughs> yeah. It was a blank. blank, <laughs> a bit of a blank yeah. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about your music? Yeah. Um, 
well, I've been playing in bands for years and years. I mean, that's kind of what I was doing before I started writing. Um, I mean, I was doing sort of like part-time jobs and stuff on the side, but yeah, I wanted to be a rock star. That was that was the thing. I just wanted to be a rock star, and uh, I was really fortunate. I was with played with three other guys in a band called Little Ten, and we got to tour around the country, and we played some big festivals. We got to play Glastonbury and oh, a long time ago, 2000, uh, and we did later. We did loads of cool stuff and uh, had a management deal and that was kind of what we we all thought we were going to do for the rest the rest of our lives yeah uh, but you know these things don't always work out and uh yeah kind of petered away and yeah our singer left and and uh yeah but i carried on playing with the drummer in the band so me and him are still playing a band together now um and we're called burnt house so yeah it's kind of alt rock stuff we were into sort of sound garden and tool and helmet and a lot of american rock music um you know post hardcore stuff so yeah and figures things like that so yeah and we i mean we still play quite a lot we don't gig as much now we've all got kids so it's a bit it's not so rock and roll but i still love i would never never want to not do it because i just love it so much um love writing i mean you've never been you know as soon as i started playing the guitar i never wanted to learn other people's songs i always wanted to write my own songs um and it was that i joined a band very Soon after, I was ter- we were you know we were all really sh- shit at playing our instruments, but it was really good to just start writing and creating. And I've always enjoyed that process of creating and writing music um, so, and collaborating as well, which is you know yeah. So is that what made you want to become a writer then? Because because of, of that creativity. Well, yeah, I mean, I so I did yeah did the band for quite a few years and yeah, and obviously we split up and then um, you know in between that time my wife was pregnant and we had our first child and I just wanted to write a story for him really that's how that kind of started and I'd written lyrics and stuff before and I always liked kind of rhyming stories and sort of making up silly songs and things like that and um yeah so I just decided to write some write some stories that I thought you know I could I could read to him one day while we were you know the bedtime story kind of thing and they'd be my stories and then I wrote a couple and I think showed them to my wife. She said, oh, these, are, these are actually all right. You know, these, <laughs> these aren't terrible. So I started to just, just uh, send a few out and I got lucky. I just I managed to get a publishing deal. So that's kind of how that started. And then and then you just get a, you get a, a taste of it and then you just want to keep writing. So I just kept writing and writing. And um, I was also doing a Open University degree at the time as well. So um, I was kind of doing part-time work, OU, um, and then and writing as well. So it was just, yeah. And it was just a really enjoy, you know, it was just enjoyable time just getting into writing. And I'd never done anything like that before, really, especially yeah. writing children's stories. So how hard is it to write a, a child's story? I mean, I know, I mean, I'm trying to work out how to sort of say this, because, I mean, it must be, you've got to be in the mindset of a child, you know, make make something too complicated or... Yeah, and you know what, it's like, loads of people think, ah, oh, it's really easy to write a children's book, you know, but it isn't, because um, the structures are very set, actually, um, particularly with picture books, which was most of the books I was writing, I've, I've written are picture books, and you've got 32 pages, and you know that you're going to not write more than a thousand words, so you've got to convey that story within a thousand words, which isn't very many. And you've got, you know, it's got to be a flowing narrative. It's got to have page turns. So it's got, you know, 
it's got to have twists and it's got to be funny and it, all these little elements have to go into it. So it's quite tricky. And I like writing in rhyme. So all my books are in rhyme. Um, so that's another element to add into the mix, um, trying to get your rhymes correct and your um, the structures of the of the lines, get your syllable counts right, all that kind of stuff, which is really important uh, on a literary kind of front. But also get your story so that it's, you know, enjoyable and exciting. Um, but, yeah, I don't know about, like, being – I guess maybe I'm a big kid. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've always tried to write stuff that I think my kids will enjoy, um, really. You know, so I've written, you know, monster books and dinosaur books and all that kind of stuff, the kind of usual usual stuff. But, the, the, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of uh, – I'm having a blank moment now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Giles, when you um, so when you first get the idea, the, the you know the mm-hmm. basis of the idea of one of your children's books, how long from the idea to to actually print does it take? Um, it really varies actually, and sometimes it can vary because the publisher wants it to be a certain way. So, you know, you might write something very quickly. I mean, some of my books, my, my first book I wrote with it, like the story I always say when I go into schools, it, the, um, my first book, I, I was really struggling to find any ideas. I knew, I really knew I wanted to write something, but I was really struggling for ideas. So, and I went to a charity shop and there was a book by a, an American author called Shel Silverstein. And I always say to kids, does anyone, does anyone know who Shel Silverstein is? And they all say no. And I said, well, in America, Shel Silverstein's like Roald Dahl. And they're like, oh, oh, my God, he must be, you know, this huge author. But no one's ever heard of him in the UK. And, and it was a book of nonsense poems that I found. It was called A Light in the Attic. And I started sort of flicking through it. And there was all these incredible um, funny poems. I, I, get, I guess a la kind of Spike Milligan style, sort of just very funny, nonsense, silly poems and, and wonderful illustrations. And I just started sparking ideas in my head and I, I literally ran back. Uh, I was working in a toy shop at the time, which is one of my favourite jobs. And uh, yeah, I just wrote it. I scribbled all down some notes and then I started working out story uh, and that became my first book, and I, I just did it in a lunchtime on post-it notes and bits of receipts and stuff. But other stories have taken a lot longer, and like I say, sometimes a publisher will want it to be a certain way, and you have to work on it a bit more. Um, it's amazing how much editing actually goes into a thousand-word uh, book sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, so sometimes it can take months. And then from from once you've, you know, they've decided – it's all cool. Then they, for, obviously with a picture book, they they commission an illustrator and then someone that they feel would be the right fit for you. Um, and then they kind of sketch out stuff and then it kind of goes from there. So, I mean, it can take, you know, it can take from, from, from the idea to, to seeing it in a shop, I guess. It could take, you know, it could take two or three years sometimes. Wow. And do you, with the illustrations then, Giles, do you get a, a lot of say in those? No, not at all. I know it's a question I'm often asked, actually. No, is the is the blunt mm-hmm. answer. Uh, you have to kind of allow the publisher 
to know what they're doing, and and they do they do generally they they've got a vision <laughs> for stuff and and you know actually if I was to go around choosing and the books probably wouldn't be as good anyway, um so yeah so they they kind of choose and then and then you just have to kind of say oh yeah to be fair I've never had a I've never had um illustrations come to me and I've thought no that 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 was terrible that's not going to work they've always been really good so you you just have to kind of rely on the publisher knowing what they're doing and they do generally so um so no is the is the answer to that question is not really but but it can be a slightly more collaborative work after that once you've got into it um you can yeah you can certainly add notes and stuff and the illustrators are normally pretty receptive to that kind of stuff yeah now um at the moment you're also um looking for a bit of help with your book 152 days i am yeah Yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about that and that that project yeah well like i was saying like with when i started like thinking about doing the podcast i I was i'd kind of given up writing um and mainly due to the fact that i'd written three i wrote three novels in like the space of a couple of years um, and I wrote them in verse, which isn't probably the best idea because it means that they're <laughs> really, really hard to put place with any publishers because no one wants to play. Um, they're too niche, basically. Mm. Uh, so but I, wrote, I really wanted to write them in this style. And so I wrote this particular one had started the kind of uh, the book's called 152 Days. And and, yeah, I would say the sort of seed of it started to grow. I don't know, probably about five or six years ago at the point where I didn't, at that point, I didn't think anyone would want, I'd I'd never seen a verse novel before. I'd never seen anyone write in verse before. I didn't think it was a thing. Um, And so I kind of didn't do anything with it. And then I could say several years went by and then I started to see, particularly in America in the States, there was quite a few verse novels coming out for the teen market. And I thought, Oh, I'm a maybe I could write that book in verse and maybe, you know, maybe someone would want to put it out. So I started, I wrote it and finished it and I sent it to my agent and she really loved it. She really liked it. She thought, she thought it was going to be, she thought it was a really good book and she thought we'd maybe do something with it. But she did stipulate when I sent it to her that we would have to find an editor or a publisher that's going to really, really love it. They're going to have to really, really love this book to want to put it out because, she said, we're never going to see, like, this isn't Pulitzer Prize stuff. This is, you know, it's not, um, it's not, you're not going to, you're not going to make your fortune with this book. Um, this is a labour of love type thing. So I was quite aware at the beginning that it was going to be tricky. And we, she sent it out to a lot of publishers. She did a whole load of submissions and the feedback was amazing. It was really, really good. All, loads of editors really, really liked it. Um, which is very flattering, um, and you kind of think, oh well, maybe this is you know, I'm on to, you know, a good thing. And sometimes when you when submissions go out, I know it's particularly common when you submit a novel that um, you can send it out to I don't know twenty thirty publishers. You'll get notes back, and then you can work on it, and then you send it back out, and then you normally get a you can often get a book deal. So we did get some notes back, and we did some we worked on it and honed it a bit more. I worked really closely with an editor at a, a really big publisher on it who was really keen to put it out. And so we worked really hard on it. And then we put it back out and the feedback still was really good from the publishers. Uh, sorry, from the editors. But 
sales teams in the publishers who have it shouldn't be the way but have more sway than editors mm-hmm. do right um we're, we're not keen um to be fair and so it I, it was quite we realized quite soon on that we weren't going to find a home for it which is really upsetting you know it was really sort of you know talking about blank moments and stuff but yeah, it was really hard to take that because, you know, you get, you think, you know, once you're through with an editor, that's normally the ticket to success. You know, it's normally the ticket towards a, a publishing deal. But, we, yeah, we just keep hitting brick walls with it. So uh, I kind of said, well, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So um, um, we put it to one side and, you know, kind of thought, well, I was going to put my head into some different things. And then... A friend of mine was doing had put a book out with Unbound, who were this um, it's like a, I'm going to say a new publisher, but they're not. I think they've been around for quite a while now. But they is a really interesting business model. So they they they're like a traditional publisher. You submit to them like a traditional publisher, and they only choose you know books they want to put out. But what they do is um. Basically, they're giving the readers the opportunity to say whether the book's good enough or not, really, yeah. um, rather than some sales team. And so the idea is that you crowdfund, um, and then the the people that pledge, they get uh, a sort of bespoke version of the book with a lovely, beautiful cover, and they get their name in it, and... It's a very limited edition kind of version. Mm. Once you've got to your your uh, your fully funded, <coughs> then it becomes like a traditional publisher and they publish the book. I guess they're mitigating the risk. They're yeah, yeah. In the waters to see whether your book's going to sell, and so it's a really interesting model. And actually, it's really putting two fingers up at a lot of publishers and and a lot of. Um, well-known authors um, and illustrators and writers are going to Unbound to do books now. So that, you know, which is really positive for everybody really. Um, and there's, yeah, there's some really big names. I mean, Raymond Briggs has done a book with them, you know, the guy did the snowman and uh, there's a guy called Tom Cox. who's um, a sort of nature writer. who's done some huge, just had some huge, like he's the times bestseller. He's done a book. He's done several books with them because they let you, I mean, a bit like, I guess other types of crowdfunding, you, you could make the thing that you want to make, you know, yeah. I, can write, I don't have anyone interfering, making it change, making me change it, making it more commercial, making it, you know, not how I want it to be. I can have it, it can be exactly how I want it to be. Mm. And, um, you know, I can sell it directly to my readers. Mm. So, so it's, per, it's per, perfect for labors of love then something that, that you want as a single vision that you don't really want to change to get it published. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's yeah, it's entirely that. And and they they kind of built um when I went and spoke to their commissioning editor about it, um she said they love books like mine. Ones that have fallen through the cracks a little bit with regards to normal, traditional publishers. Yeah. But they know, you know, hope well, they don't know, but they hopefully will can see a future in. Mm. Um so that that's really encouraging and yeah, and they've been really fantastic working with them so far and I just yeah. 
fingers crossed I'll get, I can get it fully funded and then we can see it in some shops. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, we will put the link um, to your That's Unbound you. thing uh, on the, the show notes of the podcast. So uh, anybody out there wants to have a um, wants to help and support you, Giles, then, then the, the link is there in the show notes. Thank you. That's very kind. No problem at all. But for your next project, Giles, we want to see some uh, books on this country. The Adventures of Kerry <laughs> yeah. and Curtin. Spin-offs. Well, yeah. There should be some spin-off books by now. There should be. You could. I mean, it's there's right a whole there's a whole universe of, of them, well, isn't there? You guys yeah. should be doing it, not me. Well, if only I could write. <laughs> <laughs> you could put lots of pictures in it, maybe. We could, yeah. maybe. We could, maybe. Right. We're gonna have a little bit of a quiz now. We're gonna uh, no. we're gonna play Ke- Kerry or Curtain. I'm gonna give you a line of dialogue. You need mm. to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain. Oh God. So are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Here's number one. I was a little bit nervous at the start. What with the axe and the dead animals and that? Hmm. Do you know, I'm sure I've seen the episode (laughs) in the last couple of days with that line in. I'm going to say curtain, but I think it's... Well, it's... It's Kerry. It's Kerry. It's oh. Kerry when she's gone to Trevor's uh, little shack. Trevor's thing in the aftermath. Exactly. That's it the, oh, is. It is. Number two. Okay. I got so much shit on that man, you would not believe. That's Curtain. That is Curtain when he's talking about uh, Bowls Club. Oh, Bowls Club. Um, yeah. I've forgotten his name. Oh, my God. How awful is that? Anyway, number three. That's annoying. Literally just got here. Curtain. That is curtain. That is curtain. That's also in the aftermath as well. When he's got the uh, gas mask on, he goes to the kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Number four. That's gas mask. That's right. He's called Nugget because his second name's Nuggins. That's Kerry, I think. That is Kerry. Well done. Three out of four. So for four out of five, here's the last <laughs> one. He got lost in space for all time, which is far worse, to be fair. That's Kerry. That's Curtain. Ah! But that's three. That's very good. Very good. Very respectful. Is it good? No, it is very Very good. It is very good. (laughs) Especially over the the last few we've had, we've been having ones and twos. So a three is very good. That's more than 50%. That's 60%. So that's that's, that's very good, mate. Very, very good. Um, So... um, Talking about Series 3, which obviously should be coming all well and good in in 2019, where would you like to see it go? What what would you like to see happen? Well, I guess Curtin's got his job at the Bowls Club. I mean, maybe there needs to be some sort of Bowls showdown um, between, like, them and a rival village or something. Um. I want to see Len get back in his house. Mm. I mean, I just think he shouldn't be living in that garage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Well, I mean, I think the vicar needs to grow his beard back as well, actually. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that happen. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know, actually, to be fair. To be fair, okay. To be fair, now I'm sounding like um, <laughs> Harry and Curtin now, but I don't. I really, I, I'm really intrigued to see where they're going to go with it because um, obviously now there's a bit of pressure on the writers 
um, because of the what's happened with the series, you know, because it's been a slow sort of burn, hasn't it? And it's now it's got to a point where it's it's a really renowned comedy now. I mean, it's people a lot more people I know are talking about it, mm. and so I guess there's there's that added little pressure now on series three to to sort of up up, up the ante a little bit, perhaps. I don't know. That, I mean, that, do, I you, do you think what do you think is going to happen when Martin comes back? We have spoken about this before. Okay, whether cool. the, the dynamic of Sandra and Kerry are now sort of friends and um, yeah, getting cool. a relationship. We'll be back in his caravan in the field. Um, I don't, yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. He's he got locked up for two years, didn't he? Yeah, but I suppose with with good behaviour, he could be out in a yeah. year, couldn't he? Mm. Okay. Yeah, we're thinking that we could be moved, like, could be like a year on. Mm. Yeah. Interesting to know what will be, yeah, a whole year. A lot can happen in a year, can't it? Indeed. Yeah, that strange dynamic between those three. I think, yeah, I'd like to see, think that uh, Martin wouldn't be allowed back into the fold. He'd be slightly ostracised. That's what I hope would happen, but that's not always the case, is it? No. It's 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 fascinating. It really is for something just that is something we people say is like a throwaway, yeah, twenty five minute um, mockumentary. It's fascinating it how is. layered it is and how it draws people in all the time, which I think is great. It's a good mark of storytelling, I suppose. Oh, it's brilliant! It is. It's really brilliant, and I love the fact that you know a lot of the cast are related in real life, mm. and um, it's just there's something very sweet about that, you know, using your mates and your friends and family to get involved in this you know this this really wonderful show it's just yeah i don't know it's something special that's why i mean that i was saying earlier about it being so special i think there is this there's just this aura about it in a way mm. that a lot mm. of those don't even get close to absolutely it'd be intriguing wouldn't it why wherever it goes well, i just hope they do a christmas episode i really want to see kerry involved with christmas I just the excitement on her face for her birthday when she got that present or wait, you know, night hawkers and all that. Just to see her on Christmas morning, I think it'd be quite a treat. I think I, so. Well, right, I think a Christmas episode would be good. I mean I know <clears throat> it's kind of a staple of my series now to do a Christmas you know, to have a Christmas thing. But I think yeah, I think you're right, a Christmas one would be good. I think the vicar would be really excited around Christmas. Mm. His element. Mm. Um but yeah, I think that like you say, like the dynamic with yeah, the Christmas dinner and all that kind of stuff. How that would work? The nativity, would, yeah. of course. <laughs> Them getting involved oh. in the nativity. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you, you go. Got, I thought you said the word writer. <laughs> yeah, there you are. It literally writes itself. <laughs> the ideas are there. It's just that thought of having to put it onto paper. Isn't it? Well, we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it. We'll do it, and we'll submit it, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, Giles, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's been a real, real pleasure. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I do love what you guys are doing. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll endeavour to keep sharing the love. Oh, oh well, thank, you. thank you. You're have so a, humble. Have a lovely new year, as we are very close to 2019. Yes. yes. <laughs> happy new year to you, Giles. Uh, happy new year to everybody else out there in WTAF and this country land. Uh, Neil, would you like to do a little bit of housekeeping? Absolutely. Well, you can find us on all the social media sites, Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter under WTAF. This country. This country. Uh, we have an email you can contact us with, WTAFthiscountry at hotmail.com. Uh, we have a website you can go to, WTAF. Podcast. 
Dot com. Dot com. And Patreon. We're still there on Patreon if you want some rewards. It's on Patreon forward slash WTAF. <laughs> it is. And you can get, yeah, come and support the podcast uh, in any way you can. Uh, every donation will be accepted, no matter how small or how big. And there's some wonderful rewards. We've got some wonderful rewards. Indeed, we have. Uh, So that's it. So that's it for 2018, Neil. So, yes, thank you very much, Pav. Have a happy new year. And a happy new year to you, too. Thank you very much. And a happy new year to everybody listening. Indeed. And uh, thank you once again, Giles. It's been a real pleasure. I'm terribly sorry I got your name wrong at the very, very start. That was my black moment. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. So, all of you, go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.